No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Sponsor of No Simple Road, and I, I have to tell you guys something. So, you know, in life, there's products that like change your outlook on the world that yeah. that come into your life, and you know that that thing is now going to be a staple in your day to day. And when Sunset Lake came on board with No Simple Road, that is exactly what happened with this stuff. It, I am one of those people that gets way too paranoid and anxious when I smoke this super powered mega weed that's out there these days. And uh, I was really bummed because I couldn't <laughs> smoke weed anymore, man. And we I were and, having a hard time. Yeah. And it did suck. It, I really enjoyed smoking weed with you so much. Yeah. Well, and guess what? Yeah. What? Now I can it's smoke bad. again. <laughs> this stuff came into the, our world and magically it does not do any of that stuff to my head, but I get all the benefits of getting high. So the whole body thing, I feel the munchies a little bit. I get giddy and a little silly, but all that anxiety and weirdness that happens with regular cannabis is not there. This stuff is freaking amazing. It is all hand trimmed and it's pesticide free, slow cured, stored in tamper sealed glass jars, and they only sell the flour directly from their farm. Their pre-rolls are made with the same flour, and they're great if you're looking for something like to take with you on a road trip like I just did. And they even have keef, man. So like, I can roll a joint and put some of this amazing keef in there too. The topicals kick ass. It's got yeah. arnica in there. And the one of my most favorite things is the coffee. This like Peruvian dark roast, really rich, bold coffee is amazing. And, and they're gummy bears. Yeah. And they're oh, little, they're little gummies. tasty gummy bears. So this is Sunset Lake CBD. They are a farm out of Alberg, Vermont. And this was a farm that was originally uh, producing milk for ice cream for Ben and Jerry's. So and rad. they decided they wanted to diversify. So they started growing hemp. And like I said, it's 100% pesticide free. And they do collaborations with the University of Vermont and learning about like better practices for farming like cover cover cropping and stuff like that and they are donating 4.2 percent of their online sales to the drug policy alliance in hopes of furthering police and prison reform as it relates to drugs 
and they're giving 15 bucks an hour to their employees. So not only does the product work for you, but it is working for the people that work for the company. So that's awesome. Awesome, awesome product. And you're going to get 10% proud of that. I'm sorry, 15% off when you check out, put in the promo code NSR 15 at sunsetlakecbd.com. NSR 15. You will get hooked up. You know what? Yeah. Sunsetlakecbd.com. Check it out. And I, I got to say one last thing. Thank you, Sunset Lake CBD, for we all love your product. Yeah, we but do. you really changed Aaron's yeah. <clears throat> like viewpoint on this. And he's able to hang out and enjoy himself with us on the patio, having his own smoke. It's good to have him back. Yay! Passing a joint <laughs> to me of his favorite CBD strain. So thank you, man. Keep up the good work. Yep. Go check out the Hawaiian Haze, the Cherry Abacus, all the stuff they got there. It's the bomb. Go check it out. Sunset Lake CBD, promo code NSR15. 15% off and take care of your body. Hey now. Guess what, guys? What? We have a sponsor that is Define Premium Cannabis. Define. 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 This is the place where I work at. So right now, things are kind of serious and we're happy to be essential and be part of the medicine that is helping people keep it all together. Yeah. So come out and see us. We got a location in Hillsboro where I work at, and we also have a location in Forest Grove. When you come in, we will educate you. We will get you set straight for everything you need. Your dabbables, edibles, smokables, we got it all. So come on in and visit us and make sure that you mention you listen to No Simple Road. You will get 10% off your entire purchase. And guess what else? What? A free t-shirt. I forgot about that. (laughs) So come on in, man. If you're feeling blue, down, ache, pain, whatever, we got you covered. Come visit us and we will take care of you and you can take care of your head. Oh, and one last thing before we go. That uh, 10% off is every time you go in. It's not just the first time. It's every time. So when you go in, say, hey, I'm part of the No Simple Road family. 10% off and you're hooked up. Take care of your head, everybody. Hey guys. Hey Mel. Hey hey. We have a new um No Simple Road alumni uh co cop oh podcaster. What? Yeah, Tara Lee Weathers that was on the show is now doing groove therapy with you have her name. Groove therapy is a podcast through the collaboration of Dr. Leah Taylor and Tara Lee Weathers. And it, they are part of Osiris Media. They are part of our yes, Osiris are. family. We would like to welcome them. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to the family. And check out all the other podcasts on Osiris Media, like the Broke Down Podcast. That's right. Under John. the Scales. You know, all the cool podcasts hang Let's out on Osiris Media. It's like a lounge for coolness. It's super chilly. Step into the freezer. Hey everyone, Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration, and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and 
collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Mel Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. Everybody gets something. Everybody. Something close. You are something close. <laughs> hey now, No Simple Road family, welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. back. Whoa, check that out. Do that again. One more. Welcome, welcome back. back. You guys sound really good. You should start a band. Hey. We're already in We could call it Apple and Mel Sing Welcome Back. So, yeah, this week's guest. Rotten Apple <laughs> and Harshmallow. Whoa. Oh, oh, wait, that's, that's our right. rap. That's, that's our, our rap. Mm-hmm. hear about that uh-huh. later. Uh-huh. I was going to say, <laughs> when I was so rudely interrupted. I'm sorry. No, this week's guest is Alex, Alex Jordan. Jordan. Just came out with his new album, The Subtle, Subtle Exhibitionist. Exhibitionist. I, it's, it's a tongue twister. Uh-huh. I, I, I love I, that. I stall because I didn't want to flubber it. Is that a word, fl- flubber, or is that a movie? That's a movie it's and a, a word. Flub yeah. it. But yeah, what were you going to say, Mel? It was a great, I don't know. I have a great memory It's a great of title. Of oh, listening. yeah, thank you. We got sidetracked by the flubber. Like, yeah, no, the I, subtle I exhibitionist. The, yeah. is. I love the connotation of the subtle exhibitionist. Yeah, like he's the guy that's subtly giving you the flash. Mm-hmm. Just a little, <laughs> like, like, yeah, just like, mm. hey, what's up? But it's this interview this conversation and his life is a testimony to the grateful dead family mm-hmm. because i mean he started as a roadie for cubensis and then playing with midnight north and now doing his own thing and this guy plays everything but the drums is that what he said yeah i think that, that was it yeah, he started out on harmonica ukulele piano then discovered guitar and then went with Midnight Don't North and added B, the Hammond. And well, no, I'm just saying on the mm-hmm. album, he plays almost everything on this album on but album. the drums. Yeah. Like it, It's pretty amazing. And I have a great memory of um, Dennis McNally sent us the, the mm-hmm. CD to listen to. And it was pouring rain here in Portland. And Mel and I took a ride to the farmer's market and we bought jam and... Um, Coffee and pastries. And that 
coffee and pastry combo was yeah. so and amazing. see, I it it's ne- that day. The only reason I remember that this is like months ago is because of this album that I remember that we listened really? to the album. Yeah, and the rain was pouring down, and we were eating pastries and coffee parked on the side of the road, just digging it. And I know that you guys will dig it too. So make sure you go check it out. It's a subtle exhibitionist. It's out everywhere that that music is streaming right now. And as you'll hear in the conversation, Alex is super chill, cool guy that, you know, this is another one. When we hung up the phone, I was like, oh man, we made another friend. Yeah. Hanging out with a a buddy you hadn't seen in a while. Mm -hmm. But before we do all that, how is everybody doing today? I'll start off. Since you both looked at me, (laughs) I feel pressure now. I'm fine. How are you? No, I'm speak the truth, Apple. I'm 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 doing good. I I'm we're always about honesty on that. I've been struggling a little bit lately. Just uh, right now, it's for me. It's really easy to just push myself so hard. uh, Main concentration being work, and that's starting to get to me a little. Um, it's, you know, the, it's something I can focus on. I get to go out every day and working, but I've been pushing it pretty damn hard, bringing the medicine to the people yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just kind of learning. I've been talking to Aaron and Melanie. I, I need to take, I had to take a breather yesterday. Um, they'll tell you about their fun in a minute, but I missed out on that. But, uh, I had to stay home, take a breather, same kind of today. Um, just kind of trying to relax and get b- back on track of focusing on myself. Also, I need to do a few things. I need to go see the doctor, get an eye exam. Shit, I've been putting off because it's easy to do in the middle of this. I know everybody's like, you know, you need to go do something, but like setting up appointments and everything in the middle of all this weirdness, I you keep putting it on like, okay, it's going to be normal in a couple of weeks. I'll you know wait till I, things lighten up. I'm learning. I just got to do my shit. So yeah, well, man, I mean, that's the lowdown with me. Other than that, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I, mean, I love my family. I love the show. I love the listeners. <laughs> all this keeps me going. And then these two had a fun little thing. How how is your guys' day and week going? Um <laughs> And that that, um, that was it. That I bet everybody oh. was far out, man. It's just so hard because we've you know I've lived ten thousand lifetimes in three days. It re- I really feel that way. Mm-hmm. I feel all like super elated because we just went came back from a gorgeous, amazing Thank time. you to the Abel family for Thank you inviting so us out, man. I camp. mean, I, I'm, I love them so much, their family, you know. So they invited us to their secret little campings, private camping spot um, on the river. And we just, Aaron and I had the best nap I've ever had in my life, ever. You want to see live pictures of said nap i will post them on instagram we are you can't even see my face because i'm tucked in the hammock so much and snuggled in so good that i just i i just was one with the hammock it was an amazing time and it was much needed from like the other stuff that's going on that yeah there's there's stuff there's stuff going on the world is nuts yeah and so um it was a wonderful reprise to settle into the nature and to water when you're near water flowing water and it's just very cleansing and reassuring somehow it's like comforting to listen to as you sleep and yeah it was it was really an amazing cap to a really trying and hard week 
Yeah. I, so the Abel family invited this all family, of us, all yeah. of us out to go camp and they had reserved an entire campground on the river and, you know, floating in the river and hanging out with everybody. So Mel and I, this is about an hour and 10 minutes from our house. So Friday night we jump in the car, we load up all of our, you know, tent and sleeping bags and pack some food and hit the road, head out there Friday evening after work. And we get there and this campground is like the most lush green rainforest campground you have ever seen in your life and pristine, like no trash, no, no no bullshit, just like totally beautiful. And Jason and Audrey meet us and we walk down to the river and I'm just like floored that. So what Mel was saying about water and flowing water being near it. So it's different than being near a lake. There's a feeling of being near the ocean and a lake and a river. It's all different. And for me, that feeling of sitting or standing near a river, the energy is moving. That water energy and earth energy are moving. And it, there's no stagnation. And it's very difficult. So for me, I'm a person that's always... I, I realized this weekend I'm constantly thinking of the next thing while I'm doing the thing. Like... Even in life, um, if I'm cooking, I'm thinking about what I'm going to be doing after. If I'm watching TV, I'm thinking about what I'm going to be doing when the show ends. And sitting near the river, for me, stops that. There's nothing to do but sit. And you don't want to think about what's uh-huh. next. <laughs> there's, no, there's no next. It's The energy is constantly already moving, so I'm not doing that. And anyway, so we walk down to the river and hang out and come back up to the campground and there were some of other friends and family of Jason and Audrey's there. And I hear live grateful dead just blaring out of the camper. And I was like, Holy shit. This is like being at a festival without the bands and the people. And, and (laughs) but, but if you, the people that you camped around, yeah. At a festival, all just went to one place together. Like, that is exactly what it felt like. Yeah, it was amazing. And there was a huge center area where there was a fire pit, and they set up a, a movie screen and a projector, and we hung out and boogied all night and watched Old Grateful Dead and Humphreys McGee mm-hmm. and <laughs> partied and had a great time yeah. and cut loose and hung out with the family man, and it was exactly what I needed. I felt myself relax and I realized like Apple said there's been so much pressure lately in the world so much pressure on all of us and it becomes subconscious after a while because you can't maintain keeping that kind of pressure in the forefront of your mind so it's like being in burning hot water after a while you're kind of getting used to pressure release valve yeah and and going out there and floating in that river and doing what we did was a reset in a million different ways. It, it made me realize how much stress I put on myself and feeling it disappear was like medicine that I just really needed. So I'm really grateful to those guys. And this nap that Mel is talking about in the hammock will go down in history there's if there's a, a like a, <laughs> a ratings book for naps, this is in the top three ever in the history of humanity. 
because <laughs> immediate there was like no squinching around trying to get comfortable. There was no like, uh, am I going to fall? It was just I'm de- I'm out. And then well, and Audrey came and stole Mel's phone while we were crashed and took pictures of us sleeping. So I'm gonna post those on what Instagram. What a sweet for you guys. sister she is. She thinks of the moments that you would want to catch and does that for someone else. Like that is she's always around yeah. doing that at festivals. That everything. is one sweet mama. So this <clears throat> whole thing that like going out there and going camping with them really made me even more appreciate the community that we are a part of. Yeah. Because everybody that was there was brought together in some way, shape, or form through the jam community. And these are people that have been friends for 20 years, 17 years, years, 18 years, and met at shows. Mm -hmm. And that just goes to show you what we're all a part of, man. That this thing is vibrant and alive and infuses the lives of the people that are in it and touches them in such a way that lifetime friendships grow out of it and people's kids friends with other people's kids and camping trips and weddings and bar mitzvahs and you know all of it man it's it really truly is a family and it's really cool to be a part of it man. it just re- it was good to see reset you. that in my mind it was good to see you too like you know everybody holds tension in their face whether they realize it or not you know, whether it's through like kind of just barely clenching your jaw or like furrowing your brows or, you know, just kind of like giving that puzzled look like we might not even mean to do it, but we do it. And when you see somebody's face change, and I saw your face like visibly change, like <laughs> you were calm. Light. I wouldn't even say relaxed. It was calm. That's different. I've rarely seen you that way. And I was like so grateful and I was so tired and like just getting to do what you want to do and need to do for your body in, in that environment was a recharge. Yeah. Yeah. What a place to let it go. I'm glad. I'm really sorry. I didn't go Jason and Audrey. can't wait till next time. But somebody said to me at work or maybe it was me and you at con lately. I've, I've caught myself. I think it was at work. Somebody said, You've had re- it was probably Artie. You got you've had resting bitch face lately. Like you, what you were just saying made me realize like you, you don't realize you're scowling or furrowing your brow. I hardly ever do that. I've been doing that a lot more. Like just sitting like with that puzzled look on my face, and yeah, it's like it's, it's ex- yeah exhaustion and thinking so much mm-hmm. and craziness. So if there's any advice that I can that. give to all of you guys out there, like check it out. Darwin's running. <laughs> seriously like there's a lot happening man there's politically there's a lot happening emotionally there's a lot happening our lives have been altered indelibly this is this time period is going to go down in history as one of the most nutty craziest things that's ever happened and we're all feeling it whether we realize it or not and so it is of the utmost importance for all of us to take care of ourselves that's like the the theme of this week's show that this intro, you know, Apple started it off by saying he's got to pay more attention to himself and, and do some self care. And that doesn't always mean like going to the doctor, man, that, that also means taking a minute to breathe and get Mm -hmm. away from shit 
so that you're not in the pressure cooker 100% of the time. And we all make fucking excuses, dude. I mm-hmm. do it. You do it. We all do it. We make excuses. Why, well, it's too hard to make plans and I don't have the money and <clears throat> I got to work the next day. Fuck that shit, man. Take a day. Go drive away from the city, wherever you're mm-hmm. at, and go sit with a tree. Go get in the grass. Go sit in water. Yeah, we went where <clears throat> the, our phones didn't work. That's and that I, makes such a difference to be out because of service you don't have a choice it's not an option what to happens. put it down you you're have to you're somewhere and then if you're not literally engaged in conversation with somebody you're looking somebody in the eye or whatever you pick up your phone like it's just an instant everybody does and so you don't do that there so all those little 5 10 15 minute periods that we do that are used by relaxing and that frequency is you, removed yeah, from the campground, from that no service area. Totally. It's exactly. gone. And so just the river can literally wash away that magnetic like yeah, smog, funk. you know, and just waking up in the morning to nature is the best. And sleeping with you in the tent is super fun. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> it's fun I in our it. tent. I love having a teepee with you. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> It is a amazing thing to like what you're talking about that if you're not talking to somebody, then you're on your phone. Like I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I realized like after we had been there for about an hour that that wasn't an option. And it was such a relief to me, mm. like that feeling of needing to look was gone. And it was like this weight that was off my shoulders. And when we came home last night, I was like, I think I, yeah, after we took a shower, I went outside to go have a smoke. And I normally would bring my phone. I purposely left it in the house and was like, don't you go, know what? Don't I'm not go going right back there. in there yet, man. I'm not ready for that shit. Like, I'm just going to leave it here. And it is important to maintain connection with the people in your life that matter and that was one of the things that struck me about being out there with that group of people was constant conversation and not bullshit conversation like real talk yeah we really connected with everybody and it was just the generosity of the people there and (laughs) the it was like we me and jason were saying it's like the best part of the festival that you miss and that's the connection with the people that are there. Well, we like miss it ha- because we're doing interviews. The, but we are like still that. doing it. With well, in those times of the festival when the music's not on and you're back at the campground yes. hanging out. Like yeah. it, that string yes. summit with Jason and Audrey late that one night. I mean, mm-hmm. there's but that's the fun, like hanging out. That's the part where you really feel like kids. Yeah. And then you're and you're coming up with the next plan. Let's go let's go sneak on over there and go do this and that it's uh yeah. And there Gosh, was there was a that. side yeah. thing that happened too. They had this um really cool um like tension ropes with like hooks and um different like, like a jungle like gym. A, yeah, like a jungle gym with, you know, monkey bars and stuff like that and and then like a slack line to, you know, go over and I was sitting in the hammock and the kids just came over and were talking about their schools. And I just felt like I felt so lucky that they wanted to talk to me, you know, that they wanted they like to even me. talk to 
uh, grown up about like their school or their problems or their outfits or whatever. And it was just so fun to be around kids that were just like willing to share. And it just made me really fall in love with kids again. Like, mm-hmm. you that know, liveliness, yeah. that not caring, not and, knowing what the hell's going on. And these That's, young kids are amazing. These young, like they were, I think like eight and nine and 10 or something like, so, you know, not teenagers yet, mm-mm. but they're definitely not babies. And so they're so articulate and talking about things and their personalities that, are really developed. That is like the sweet spot too, yeah, between that is. age of being a little turd and right, right, right before they become <laughs> a turd again in their these, teens. These kids, you know, were, y'all they, know what I they mean. played so nicely with each other and they were so respectful and they were very careful mm-hmm. and it was, it was amazing. So, you know, man, this, like I said, this whole thing is born out of the jam community and, and the musical family that we are all a part of. And if you're feeling the pressure right now, if you're feeling that strain, just remember, we are getting through this. You're here today. You're listening to the podcast right now. Like, we have made it this far. And and we're going to make it the rest of the way. And there will be music again. And there will be festivals again. And we all will be hanging out again. And things won't be weird anymore. It's coming. It really is coming, you guys. I promise it's coming. So just hang on. Hang in there. Get yourself out there. Get away from things. Take a minute for yourself. Take care of yourselves, man. It's important. I wasn't doing it. And now I'm back and I feel better. And like I told you last week, you know, there's a new fire and commitment for the show. And so, you know, the pieces are falling back into place and it feels really good. And I'm excited for you guys to hear Alex Jordan this week. So. Yeah, this is a good. This is a good album too. Go put this on the first from the first track. Your kingdom comes with a view. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. Kinda, yeah, it's poignant. This is a good album, full of emotion. Great writing, uh, great musicianship. I think you all really enjoy this, and you probably know him, like we said, from Midnight North. But this is something different. This is him. This is him yeah. <clears throat> doing his thing. Hard it's on really his sleeve. Really awesome. So, but before we get there, we're gonna do the business. business. Yep. So follow us on Instagram and Facebook at No Simple Road. Go to www.nosimpleroad.com and check this out. If you click on the gear tab at the top, there's like past episodes, new episodes, the family, and then one of them says gear. That's where the No Simple Road merch is. And there's some new merch up there. There are um, coffee cups and women's racerback t-shirts. Cute. Kids hoodies. (laughs) And... We did it. We joined the club. We joined the We Made Face Masks Club. And there are No Simple Road, uh, Hair of the Wolf, Van Logo face gaiters up there. And if you don't want to wear them as a mask, you can wear them as a bracelet or you can tie them around your head to hold your hair back. They're super cool. They're up there too. So you can go to nosimpleroad.com, click on the gear tab and get yourself some of that loveliness. What's up, Apple? What are you looking at? Oh, I was just checking the things while we did get another review. Oh, cool. I also wanted to read a letter that we got, too. So We got a letter. We got a letter and a review. We got We got some things. Wonder who it's from. It's the letter P. Thank you. All right. (laughs) um, Before you start, this is from Apple Podcasts. If you listen to the show and you haven't left us a review on Apple Podcasts, Please go and leave us five please. stars. Please. We're, we're asking nice. Yeah, yeah we love please. those five stars, but we really love those five stars with a little something to go with. <laughs> juice behind it. A little sugar. It. Yeah. 
So that this is one came in on Tuesday from can canis canis funk. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't Anything know. I hope funk, I got it right. What a long, strange trip it's been. Get on the bus! Exclamation! This podcast is a great way to dive into the improv jam scene. I'm a huge Billy Strings fan, and I can't believe y'all read my last review in the podcast with his interview. What a long, strange trip it's been. Love your honesty and can't wait to hear what's next. Aww. Thanks, man. Tannis right Funk. On. Thanks, man. We appreciate that. See, I could be saying your name right now and saying we appreciate that if you had written a review, but you didn't, and you should do it now. But anyway, yeah, that's Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. You can also go to r forward slash No Simple Road and interact with the No Simple Road family there. There's also the No Simple Road family group on Facebook, and Mel's going to read us a letter right now. We got sunshine in the mail. Yeah, we did. We got a cute little envelope, with a, a puffy one with the little things that you can pop on the inside, um, <laughs> stickers um, that says, life is Gouda. Um <laughs> There's a cute um, Bolt uh, Grateful Dead sticker. And then there's one that's, or not sticker, but a magnet, Mag- a fridge magnet. Yeah. And then Apple got one with cute little lips on it <laughs> with of an apple. This came from Parker Lavender. I know. Okay. And, Which um, I love that. And then there's one that's uh, spread the love with a sweet little heart. And then she uh, wrote this sweet little adorable message to us. Dear he. A- he. It's a he. <gasps> Parker? Why did I assume? It's a dude. Well, you know why? Because my daughter, my not not my daughter, but Sarah's daughter, Parker. His name Parker. That's yeah. cool. But anyway, he ain't, Parker, he ain't mad. Um, you're not mad. You sent all this love and you sent this. Dear Aaron Mellon Apple, your podcast is truly amazing. And the people that you interview and the conversations had are fantastic. It's nice having a place where like-minded people can chat and share different views and tell some kick-ass stories. As I mentioned in my OG email, <laughs> I was turned on to your podcast by my best friend's life companion, Abigail. Adam and Abigail are two truly genuine and wholehearted people that are a treasure to know and be friends with. That is such a nice thought to have somebody who <laughs> yeah. thinks about you that way. When I started listening, I realized you all give off the same sort of vibe that I feel when I am with them. And I think I figured out that it's just pure love and wholeheartedness. It makes my heart happy to know that there are genuine and beautiful souls in our our world. I feel as if I could go on and on, but my penmanship will only continue to go south. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you all enjoy my gifts I sent. Just remember to keep on trucking and smile, smile, smile. Your friend, Parker. And I wore my smile, smile, smile um, mask today at work. Aww. AKA cutney. <laughs> that was that was just me. But thank you so much, Parker, yeah. for the sunshine in the mail, for your sweet little gifts and your thoughtful words and the synchronicities of you writing in and just all of that kind of stuff. The universe is really yeah. amazing the way that it like moves chess pieces. It's such it's such opportune moments. It slides things into place and like mm-hmm. picks stuff up and puts it down in your path exactly when you need it. And if you have your, your eye open, you see it moving and giving you encouragement and yeah. telling you to shut the fuck up yeah. and, <laughs> and making you do stuff and offering suggestions very gently and sometimes not so gently. Yeah. It, it really is incredible to see the, it's interactive the inner workings sure. of the matrix when, mm-hmm. when you're, 
paying attention to it. So it's that was part of it. So thanks, Parker. We appreciate the love, man. And um, yeah, so we're going to spread some more love in the form of a conversation with our brother in arms, Alex Jordan. So, so it's time to, like we've been talking about in this episode, it's time to stop, pay attention, slow down, yeah. put that phone down, put that other thing down. Yeah, quit Get looking comfortable. at that thing. Close your eyes, man. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> There's instructions with this podcast. No, just kidding. You know what? Just relax. I hope you guys enjoy this as much as we did doing it. And so, without further ado, the No Simple Road crew gives you Alex Jordan. You think Dennis was a menace? Uh, I bet he had antics. I, I think to be in that whole Grateful Dead... You gotta be a prankster. You gotta be a bit of a... Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Not prankster. Uh... uh Colorful shenanigan maker maker. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's call a shenanigan maker. Uh, Hang on, here we go. We don't know if Alex is a shenanigan maker. He could. It's true. He doesn't have to be. Might find out afterwards. He could be the one that keeps it all tight. Yeah. Hey guys, everybody, sit down and be quiet. We're gonna (laughs) play music now. I'm doubting that though. Hello, Alex. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm okay. How about you? I'm good. This is Aaron. Hey, Aaron. <sighs> nice, to, nice to chat. Yeah, we finally connected, man. I'm glad. Yeah. And I got I got I, t- two more with me here. Hey, Alex, this is Mel. And Hi, Mel. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for joining us this Saturday evening. And, Happy to be here. Yeah. And then you got the third one here. This is this is Apple. And thank you very much for giving us some of your time on Saturday. We finally made this happen after a couple of uh, misdirections. <laughs> Hey, life life happens. Things happen. Uh, right now, everything's up in the air. I'm just happy to, <laughs> yeah, happy yeah. to be here at all. Yeah, man. I I know what you mean. You know, it's weird. Like <clears throat> being in quarantine, like mm-hmm. being home. Mm-hmm. I, I have this like weird sense of security at home, at, like my own energetic bubble. And like, mm-hmm. Mel and I went out today to the other side of Portland. And went for a hike and driving through the city, you can feel the energy difference. Like you can feel the, I don't know, what's the angst, anxiousness and weirdness that's in the air everywhere. It's like (laughs) tangible weird. And then you come back home and and it's like, oh, well, everything's fine in the house. (laughs) Right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Totally. I think the first few times that I ventured out, um, besides going to the grocery store, I remember I went to, um, uh, I, I got, a, I have a day job and I went to, to, I hadn't been working. I hadn't been going in. And then I went in to do something and I was just, we were still really uncertain of how everything was going to work. And so it was just me by myself. Right. And it was, it, I mean, it felt like I was, it felt like I had crossed into enemy lines and I was in some kind of, you know, danger <laughs> area. And it was, so I mean, it was, it was me and behind locked doors in a place that I spent a lot of time and it was still felt odd. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. 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 I same, same here, man. It's a odd thing that's going on out there, but you know, one thing that's really, really cool about it is getting to have conversations like this with folks like you and, you know, it's, it's made, um, very busy people available to us. It, 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 it has that. And I, and I, I have to say that I have memories of my bandmates when I was in Midnight North doing interviews while we were in the van 
Yeah. And you know, you've got six people around you and you're between towns. And I have to say that I, I hope that the quality of what I'm able to give in an interview is superior, is much better than, than that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean, here I am at home, you know, sitting on my couch. Yeah. So, <laughs> But it can't get better than that because think about that. You're on your couch. What more of a relaxed place can you possibly be to bring up like... Well, I could, I could lay down. We could do it like a therapy session. You could be in bed. Right. <laughs> in I, I have had, I have had, uh, there was someone I talked to back east a, a few weeks ago. And, um, and I, you know, as, as being a musician, I don't always have the best sense of scheduling. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, the, here the phone rings at, at, uh, at nine 30 and it was a Sunday and I was in bed and I pick it up, you know, well, you know, oh, unfortunately, it wasn't live, but it was very could have well could well have been you know, me laying in bed waking up. <laughs> it's a it's a funny thing when you're scheduling something out like that, and you're like, yeah, nine o'clock at night on Sunday, I'm not going to be doing anything. That's fine. And then that Sunday rolls around, and you're <laughs> like, oh man, I, did I was what? sleeping in. <laughs> right. Oh no. No. Where Where are right. you at, Alex? Are you in the Bay Area or down in LA? I am in, I am in the Bay Area. Okay. I am. I am just south of San Francisco here, up, up in the, I guess you would call this the Santa Cruz Mountains, but not nearly as far south as Santa Cruz. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm relatively near Half Moon Bay, but at 2,000 feet up in the Redwoods. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay, you're in a beautiful spot. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, this is, I moved here on March 1st. I went to Hawaii on the, like the 7th, and when I came back, the world shut down, and this has proven to be a great decision. Wow, that's like the universe putting you right yeah. where you're supposed to be, man. That's cool. Oh, it was the, it was the best too because I've been my girlfriend and I had been looking for a place, and um, we got in a big. Uh, it wasn't quite an argument, but a, a disagreement. I had found a, a, actually a pretty nice place, but in the in a more suburban area, and she just really did not want to commit to it. And so we, you know, we got off the phone all huffy, and not five minutes later, found a listing for this place, and we got it. So. Oh wow! So I do. I guess I should always listen to her, but but nonetheless, <laughs> I've been married to Melanie for for twenty, going on twenty three years. Man, that is a that's a life lesson that I've learned too. Just shut up and listen. Yeah. So most of the ninety nine percent of the time, shut up and listen, man. You so, haven't yeah. learned that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Alex, don't let him fool you. He hasn't learned it. Well, okay. How about this? Learning it versus okay. internalizing. Yes. Yes. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So, Alex, man, we we were just out on our porch listening to the new album. It is amazing, bro. And it's rad that your kingdom comes with a view. <laughs> I mean, how'd you figure that out? <laughs> right? Are you talking about this Redwood retreat that you're <laughs> that you're in? God, right? I don't know. I don't know where I was at. But, well, I, I do know what I was thinking while I was working on it, what I was trying to capture. But I don't know. Uh, I, I, you know what, right, I just moved back from Los Angeles. And so my view while I was living down there was of the balcony across the courtyard. Ugh, okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and, that was, and that was one of the better views I had while I was living down there. <laughs> the garbage can. Um, right, right. Like, oh, you look, you know, you can't even, you can't even see the freeway from this angle. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? And uh, I, had, I had had a few different places I lived down there, but that was where I was living. And I went from that to, to back with my parents. So then... You know, uh, I, I did that for a little bit before, I mean, just just to get on my feet because moving, uh, moving's a little, is expensive in in California. Oh yeah, and uh, and so I, I mean, my view went from, you know, that you know, but I had roommates, you know, and and then you know, then my two roommates became became my parents, which, you know, is, is kind of neat 
to yeah. just to, you know check in with them. But then after a little while, you're like, well, there's a reason to be absent. <laughs> <laughs> Time to go. And it's not it's not not any insult to them. So no, much no. As, <laughs> hey, no, we, no. you know, Alex, we have an 18 year old. He's soon to be 18, and. I mean, we're not excited about him leaving, but we're excited when he's, bit, when yeah, he's ready. Yeah. yeah. Right, and so right, I think it works right. for both ways. Like the your, the son, the kid, whoever, they want to go out and do their thing. But it, like you said, it's expensive. Our daughter, she has been in L.A. since she was 18 and has moved every single year. And she's 25. So we totally understand that whole, you know, <laughs> supporting your kids. And when you can finally do it on your own with your girl or on your own, heck yeah, it's a great feat. You know what's weird though? Like in talking to you and hearing you what? say the stuff you're saying, like, I guess from a fan perspective, like a, a deadhead fan of the music and everything, I, I guess we have this weird preconception that, if you're playing the music and you're as successful as you are, that it's just a forgotten conclusion that you're financially successful and that, you know, I don't know, man, I guess there's a, in my mind, a perception of that. Well, that, I think that's a really human thing. And in, and in some ways that's and something kind of tying it back into the, to the, that opening tune, in some ways that's what that's about is that there's, it's, is, we're human, right? Everybody's human. And, um, you know, you meet people, especially in the music world who have been wildly successful, but most of the, most of the major success stories are, are past tense. Mm. And, um, being a musician now with, without the, without, um, well, okay. Being a, even being a musician six months ago, um, you know, you, you lack the, the, the not the crutch, but you lack the uh, income stream of, you know, recorded music being sold, you know, hard copy recorded music being sold in stores around the country as part of your, as part of what you're doing, you know, that, 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 that has just about dried up. And so you have streams and streams are effectively just a way to get people interested in, in, uh, well, at least when, you know, when you're more in the jam world, it's what to get people more interested in coming to see you play. Right. And, and, so now, currently, just remove that, and uh, you know I don't mind having a day job, but that but it's entirely necessary in the current uh, climate of totally. being a musician, and it's, and it's been necessary. And I, you know, I was I was talking to someone recently about music festivals, and and even on a festival in which you are paid well, if you're not one of the top, you know, five acts on a on a festival that has has thirty or, or so acts you're not getting the lion's share. And so you're, do, you're coming at it in the middle of a larger tour and, you know, you're doing a bunch of different, uh, different things to get by. And none of those, none of those dates are, are easy overhead. Right. And, um, and it's just a whole different scheme. And I think that, that almost every musician I have met that is younger, um, unless they're reaching some sort of, uh, very notable commercial success is, is, is a similar thing where everyone just kind of does what they do to get by people. You know, you'll, I'll, I'll talk to people. I know that have been at it for 20, 30 years. You who rent, you know, a 500 square foot studio, Wow. you know, and that, and that's all they can afford because that's, you know, that's the thing. So next, next time, you know, you're out and so you hear someone complaining about, you know, oh man, they really want to charge $15 to see this band. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've never minded that. You know, I was just no. gonna, oh, I was going to back up for a second because we have a tendency to do this where we get into the interview and 
Like we, oh, we, we know who you are, Alex, <laughs> but if you, you want to introduce yourself for some, most Trained of our listeners are going to know who you are too, but there's some that may not. If you want to introduce yourself and tell us what you do. <laughs> Thanks. Sure. Apple. Okay. Let's, 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 let's do that. Uh-huh. You have 15 <laughs> minutes in. Oh, by the way, this is Alex. Right. Who, who are, right. Uh, well, I'm, I'm Alex Jordan. Um, I'm a, uh, at the moment, I'm a very much a solo musician. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm a I'm a musician. I just put out my first record, uh, The Subtle Exhibitionist, and I'm anxious to get it in people's hands and get their take on it. And um, I've been at this in every years. And uh, I just finished up a five plus year stint with a band called Midnight North, in which I was a guitar player and, and uh, turned into the keyboard player in that band. And all the while, I was kind of writing my own tunes. We didn't really didn't really do much much of my material in that band. And uh, in the fall of 2017, I took it upon myself to try to organize things enough to, to make a record, and I started making one. Wow. Did a lot of the heavy lifting on my own, and the result of the writing and the recording and you know recording between tours is, is, is this record, is the Subtle Exhibitionist. And so I'm, I'm very proud of it, and I'm very happy to share it and talk about it. You should be, man. Well, it, first, first of all, great title. To yeah, the record, I love that. The title is amazing, and I, I just looking at way. I mean, you have, uh, you you have a lot of instruments tucked under your belt of things you do. The only thing I saw you don't play is the drums, but you, I, you I kind of okay, but you kind of do everything. But else. you still try, <laughs> right? Well, you know, I've I've I think that if I had a drum kit, um, and six months, I could figure it out enough to to cut my own demos, but um. I don't have a drum kit and I don't have six months and I actually living with a drummer is quite the commitment. And, uh, and, <laughs> oh, I and, and, and I think my, my other half has committed quite a lot in living with me as it is. So I'm not going to push it with a drum kit. <laughs> Our son-in-law is a drummer, man. I, I know all about it. So, you know, you, you don't have to explain. I, you play virtually every instrument on this album, man. That's, that's insane. That to me, like, I fiddle around with the guitar a little bit and it's this endless mystery of twists and turns that I can never find purchase with. And I can't imagine doing that with multiple things and then being proficient enough to put it all together to make something as beautiful as the album that you made, man. So it's awesome. Well, it, it's a, it was a, it was a natural and slow progression to get to that point with everything. And I, I don't know, there is, I think there's definitely a gene where it, you know, like some people can learn languages very easily. Right. 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 And uh, I'm, I am not one of those people, but I, but I have, uh, it does something about learning instruments has made sense to me. And I, I don't necessarily profess to be virtuosic on any of them. Um, but it, but, um, the process of actually learning how to make music on a new instrument for some reason clicked, uh, at some mm. point when I was younger and, and, um, some some feel more at home than others. Um, guitar, I don't really think about what I'm doing specifically. I just sort of uh, it, it's very similar to how you talk. You you don't you don't think of the individual words, let alone the individual sounds. You think of um, broad concepts, and every so often you do fish for a specific word, but mostly you just want to convey a whole idea, and you just in the sp- in in the course of talking come up with the idea and say it. And uh, guitar has become very much that, and that's, that's fluidity, right? Right. And um, that's probably one of the only instruments uh, that I really, really feel that way on. Um, 
voice and um, and keyboard being a close second. But keyboard I'm, is very still pretty new for me as a serious instrument. I've only been playing it seriously for about low, I guess, I guess five five and a half years, five ish years, mm-hmm. um, which is not a lot of time uh, compared to my peers who play keyboard. <laughs> Um, How did that so, transition but, uh, come in Midnight North? Yeah, kicking and screaming. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to. No, sir. Well, I mean, that was—I mean, really, I was a—I was a guitar player, and um, I had—I had some experience playing keyboard. Um, I majored in music, and so we class piano was a part of that. And um, so I knew. Um, I knew my way around the keyboard. I knew my scales because I had to know them to graduate. Okay. And. Uh, and, you know, actually, now that I think of it, I have memories of being in class piano and we all had headphones, right? Because you can't have, can't have 20 people in a classroom all playing simultaneously right. on piano. <laughs> so we had digital pianos with headphones. And I have memories of the instructor trying to explain something about, you know, Debussy and I'm just having my headphones on. I'm just improvising away. <laughs> so maybe that's where it, where it really started. Because I, from an early age, I remember screwing around on, on, on piano because we had one in the house. Right. Um, my dad was a music teacher, so we had kind of anything, which is that has sort of has been what has facilitated the ability to to try different instruments. That because if I, effectively, he didn't force anything on me, but if I said, if I said I want to try this, it, one would just appear. Um, wow, that's and cool. so yeah, I, that, that's awesome. T- totally, and that's an advantage not everybody has, and that's pr- partially why I think I've got all these different instruments um, under my belt. But but. You know, back to the keyboard thing. So I, I joined Midnight North. They needed another lead instrument. It really didn't matter which, and but but they mostly needed a third singer, a harmony singer. And so I, I, you know, I got the gig and became a member of the band. It wasn't just a you know sideman thing. And uh, I was I was the third guitar player, effectively. And Elliot Peck played a little bit of piano and uh, acoustic guitar at the time. So we had. Two, guitar, two electric guitar players and one person going between piano and acoustic. Okay. Well, it, it did not take long before there was some rehearsal where someone was late and we were waiting for them to show up. I think probably Graham was late because he had the furthest to drive at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just started goofing around on the digital Nord with the organ patch. Oh. Um, and uh, immediately uh, <laughs> the bass player, you know, Connor decided that I was going to be the, I was going to be a keyboard player in the band. And I, <laughs> I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I, there's no way I'm going to get in front of an audience who was paid to see us. And <laughs> <laughs> you're busted. You've been found out. <laughs> right. And, and so it, I think it was, you know, maybe started at 10 and then, then 20% of the set, you know, and that year, probably about the end of that year, 20% to 30% of the set, you know, on keyboard, on, uh, on keyboard and the rest on guitar. And the next year, closer to 50 50 and then mm-hmm. and then closer to 30 70 and then by uh this, i think the first gigs of 2018 um we had some guest guitar players and so it was it was it was dictated to me that i was going to play only keyboard for for that weekend and i was not i, I at no point was i thrilled about you know <laughs> only playing keyboard oh, but right but at the same time it allowed me to really explore the hammond organ and that uh as much as I love the guitar and as much as I uh, feel fluid on it, and that feels like the natural extension of my own musical self. Um, I have a real love for the Hammond, the sound of the thing, oh, the God. look of it, the smell of it, the, the, the mechanics of it. I've really gotten into 
preparing it. And so that that's what kept me on keyboard. And then for two years, I got to to not play an actual Hammond, but to to dig into that style of playing right. every night. In addition to playing piano, that um, that instrument is a magical universe all no, by itself, like, man. That and and the thing that I've noticed from listening <clears throat> to bands like Amendola versus Blades or John mm-hmm. Medeski, mm-hmm. um, Solomon, stuff like that, is that that Hammond can carry the melody the same, not with the same voice, but with the same kind of deal as an electric or acoustic right. guitar. It fills, it fills in a lot that of melody. space. <clears throat> right. Well, and, and, you know, piano can never be quite as powerful as an overdriven electric guitar can right. or just even a you know it, it, because it's even if it's digital it's not the same type of energy and so you know ha- ha- piano you can get to the point where you're pounding the keys to sort of indicate that this is the most i've given everything i have you know right and i'm just you know and you're playing open fifths and fourths and just you know da 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 kind of a thing and just getting that rockabilly thing going in any on any rock and roll kind of thing and just doing everything you can to make it sound as big as possible. Okay. And then, you know, if in my case, turn 90 degrees to the right and get on the Hammond and it's immediately louder at a reasonable, at a reasonable level, you're not working completely as hard as possible and it's immediately more powerful and you can get to that searing distorted, you know, right. energetic thing in the upper register that, that really, I mean, a Hammond can, a Hammond can stomp on a guitar if it wants to, if mm-hmm. you have enough, enough, enough uh, uh, power with your Leslie's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there's something to be said too for like energy-wise, the vibration of strings as opposed mm-hmm. to what the Hammond is doing, the way that it's putting the energy out into the room, um, that whole thing. Like, th- like I said, there, to me, that instrument captured my imagination in a completely different way than like growing up. I was really into Hendrix and you know, mm-hmm. Jerry and all that. And the electric guitar was magical and wonderful. But the Hammond woke some part of my brain, like scratched a weird itch in the middle of my brain that nothing else kind of touches that spot. I think that's really what that niche is for that instrument. It does something special. It it it, it truly does. And it's, and it's, you know, it was designed at a time when the way something looked matters mattered as much as the way it sounded. Oh, and, wow. um, yeah. And, you know, and, and the, the look of the thing is just enchanting. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, and it's a powerful presence on stage cause it's this big, massive piece of furniture. Yeah. that? Well, and like, if you right. hear that, you feel like that church vibe, you don't always feel that church oh, vibe totally. if you listen to a guitar. Like it brings something with it. Soul. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, it really does. And it's, a, and it's, it's a, it's so cool to play and to, um, not that you would ever willingly, willingly do this, but in a, in a, in a band, an ensemble setting, if the band is sort of climbing in, in dynamic and the ham and you're on Hammond and you're climbing with it. If you were to suddenly just lay out the floor, it just drops out of the, the ensemble. And so it's a really crucial part when it's, when it's, part of the ensemble it's a really crucial part of the dynamic right um and it's and it was really fascinating to learn that because i mean piano is too when, when you've got the sustain down but you can really get in the way um 
with the with the, the piano and if you're in the wrong register and you've got too much sustain going whereas um organ you, you can almost craft it into a string section yeah yes you know, yeah. and so it has all of the all of them the you know i mean that's what an organ's supposed to be it's supposed to imitate you know be able, be able to capture the different sounds of, of different instruments and everything and i and i've been fascinated with with um i was fascinated with pipe organs when i was in college because i was majoring in classical singing and so there are several opportunities we had to sing with and around real pipe organs oh wow and um and uh they're i mean just fascinating because those things you're talking about about room-sized or cathedral-sized instruments and uh and if you think about the hammond was designed to uh in some way emulate but moreover um uh not replace but you know be be an alternative to that thing and uh, it was, I mean, it was originally marketed to um, churches that couldn't afford a pipe organ. You know, if, if, if in the late thirties, a pipe organ was, was 20 grand, a Hammond was only two, which was still expensive, but it was a 10th the cost. And I, and I don't quote me on those numbers, but no, you, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I want exact that, numbers. That was Alex. the idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I have, a, you know, somewhere I have a whole text and stuff. I've gotten to the, I have, a, I have for a while I was doing like field Hammond repair work. I used to, we used to show up at venues that had a backline Hammond, and I would assess it. Like, okay, what's wrong with it? And then pull out the soldering. And I oh, the shit. Nerd. That's <laughs> oh, that's, awesome. Yeah, that's cool to know it that well, though, to be able to go in and fix it. <laughs> yeah, we've got um, – Well, a, a, it, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No you, no, you first. Oh. Well, I was just saying I, I, I was enchanted by this thing. And, I, and you know, with, with, with the guitar, I, I don't feel comfortable with the instrument unless I, do, unless I know how to repair you know, the bulk of what can go wrong with it. I'm not going to get into – Luthiery, you know, if I snap the headstock, I take it to to a guy that knows woodwork. But, right. You know, but uh, as far as basic electronic stuff and and uh, setup things, I I pride myself on knowing that with the guitar and the organ's the same deal. I just felt like if I was going to play a vintage thing that was electromechanical, I was going to want, I needed to know how to how to uh, make peace with it. Yeah, if something goes <laughs> wrong, you're screwed. Otherwise, and it, I'm yeah. sure there's not like you know, a ton of people out there that that's, that's their bag. I, what I was going to say is we have a, um, a venue here in Portland called the old church and mm, okay, yeah. it's the, they have the oldest pipe organ west of the Mississippi in that venue. And I think, oh, that's awesome. I think Holly has played it. Yeah. Holly, Holly Bowen. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, who was uh Garcia birthday band up here. We went and said, that was funny. They would, they get, he gets to, uh, the keyboard player got to get on it, and the first thing he started doing is playing like Mario Brothers, and, this, and he was doing the Star Wars theme. I was like, I just right. couldn't help myself, man. At first, I just had to have a little fun. Yeah, it's, it's well, amazing. I, I there was a time that the, uh, in college that someone similarly that someone brought a um not someone that the head of the keyboards at at, at the at the school brought to um one of my beginning classes um a really old harpsichord and everyone who plays keyboard is sitting there and playing, you know, Bach and trying, trying to play, you know, gold, the Goldberg variations and stuff like that on this 200 year old harpsichord. And I sit down and I play the coda to Layla. <laughs> China <laughs> just, doll. Just about threw, right. That just about threw me out. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, you, you brought up something earlier that I want to go back to. We just glossed over it, but you know, you, you're talking about learning, instruments and how it's just a thing that you have a knack for and that your dad was a music teacher mm-hmm. and do you think that that is a 
a DNA thing for real? Like, do you think that that is something that's like you were in a musical family, so it is literally like in your blood or exposure? Right. I think like nature versus nurture, that kind of thing. Um, hmm. I think there's mounting evidence that it's that there is an uh, element of genetics um, to it. There's 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 certainly the um, there's certainly the the aspect of you're around it and therefore you you can do it right. Um, like um, I met Mickey Hart's son a number of years ago, Taro, and um, he can sit down at the drum kit. He, he wouldn't call himself a drummer, but he can sit down at the drum kit and play the original studio beat to Fire on the Mountain without without thinking about it and. You know, is he a drummer? I don't know, but he's but his dad is, and so he was around it and probably learned how to do it. Okay. Um, but but there was so much in my household. Um, it it wasn't expected that I was going to play music. It wasn't um, uh, assumed. I think it was. Uh, I started doing it, and then it was encouraged. But I think if I had gotten to, well, I was. I mean, I was in I was in little league, and I was I was not great. Uh, I'm not even good for that matter, but, but I was in it and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't told no, I, you know, I was encouraged to keep doing it because I, because I liked it. But of course you start to find things you're good at and uh, your parents want to encourage you to do things that you're good at. Um, so I remember that my parents, when I was about five years old, put me in like a a class piano thing. Um, and I hated it. And I, not only did I hate it, but I sucked. Um, (laughs) and, uh, I remember doing, you know, your, a, a recital at the library and I was playing the ode to joy and I don't, I don't, I don't think I could do it. I, don't, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> no. can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I was just terrible. And so I, I think I said, no, I'm done with that. So they just, they never pushed it on me, but as I said, it was available. It was, it was so, you know, as for what, whether I was drawn to it because of, because of my dad, um, I think it's gotta be genetic in many ways because yeah. my nephew is, is just turned four and he can play, you know, he, he has a great sense of rhythm and he can sing perfectly in tune. And I give him a ukulele for his birthday and my dad just shows him how to play a, a C chord and the ukulele and off he goes, Oh wow! you know, and it's just, it, you know, he's four. He's not, you know, he just, he's not thinking about whether or not he wants to, he just can't. Yeah. And, so, um, wow. So what, so I gotta be, gotta be, somewhat nature versus versus exclusively nurture i guess so what is what is it for you man that like makes you want to continue doing that as an adolescent into a young adult that like what was the thing that pushed you like okay i'm deciding that this is my thing that i want to keep going with this Hmm. well so i was in i was in bands you know in choir and stuff like that um in uh, um, elementary school through middle school, I was in band. But I think it was in middle school. I I got into musical theater because I like I liked singing, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was I was had good enough pitch that you could you know that 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 someone at that age you know anyone that can sing in tune and has a half decent sounding voice will <laughs> throw in front of an audience. You're you know, up. So, yeah. Right, exactly. And so I I you know I felt like I was good at that. But I actually I think it was in middle school in sixth grade. Um, my, uh, I, I was in a, uh, an elective class. Like you did like a, you know, 
six weeks of everything, kind of elective rotation. And uh, and the drama, I really like the drama unit because that particular teacher, uh, Mrs. Musane, was uh, uh, her class centered around improv. And um, I loved it. And uh, when I realized that you could play music that involved improv, and in this at that age, it was it was you know being in the seventh grade jazz band, which was not you know nothing nothing outrageous, it but it was still uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but but there were opportunities to improvise, right? Um, and I and, and right around then I started listening to swing music and listening to jazz, and and uh, I had I had been hearing that on the radio growing up too, and so I think but I think really that was it being in the class and 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 putting myself in a mental place where I had to make stuff up on purpose, uh, with intention, you know, with, with a, with a, uh, a story in mind and an arc in mind and then developing that skill for the next couple of years in, in, um, in the theater thing. And actually I ended up forming and, 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 uh, maintaining and teaching even an improv club at, in high school. Oh, that's um, so cool. but all the while, all the while being in jazz band and, um, so I mean, jazz trombone. I mean, I, I would I would do that. That was that was. I settled there for a while on brass. Um, after doing a bunch of different brass instruments, that was what I settled in because that made sense to me. And I liked the sound, I liked the register, and I liked improvising on it. Um, but that all. That's what I liked about it. That's what I connected with was making things up. I think um, even playing harmonica when I was like really little. I think I remember making just making little little songs up, and. Uh, so cool. That's that's I think that's what did it. So well it's the suited. ability to express. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. This is the part of the episode we are calling Set Break. It's set break now, everybody. This is a fun time where you look around and see what's going on. It's going to get weird. Smile awkwardly it, at one another. Yeah, you start up a conversation with the person next to you. This is set you don't break. quite know what to do Even with your hands. Even the person that's next to you is you. Yeah, talk, talk to yourself for a minute. Mm-hmm. Stretch. Yeah. Get yourself a glass of water and check out these ads. I know it's the middle of the episode. I know it's weird. You know what? It's okay because we're here for you. And so is Shop Tour Bus. Go to shoptourbus.com online or at shoptourbus on Instagram so that when shows start back up, you don't have to roll in there wearing that ratty old shirt from 17 tours ago. You can roll in there wearing your fresh Shop fresh. Tour Bus gear with the Ruben and Charisse design on the front or Just a dope. steal your tape or a fire on the mountain. And when you order that, it's going to come to your house in a hand-designed box with a Grateful Dead lyric on the inside of the box, a bootleg, a real cassette bootleg, and other little odds and ends. Doodads, and trinkets, and candies, stickers. And you may or may not get any of those things that Aaron mentioned. You may you not. You may get a couple of those things. You might get something you never even expected. That's you right. might get more something than you bargained we never for. Knew of. You're definitely <laughs> going to get more than you bargained for. I know one way you can. How? Put in the promo code no simple road for what when you check free out you will get free shipping, shipping. <laughs> apples on that free i know shipping. man but bam Dang. free shipping yeah you put Boom. in no mo no mo no mo no 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 you put in the 
Gotcha. <laughs> you it's a it. good thing I've stayed out of the commercials for the most part today. <laughs> come on, come on, Dave. Um, when you put in the promo code No Simple Road at checkout, yeah. you will get free shipping. Free shipping. Free shipping. So go to shoptourbus.com online or at shoptourbus on Instagram. Hook yourself up with a hoodie or a t-shirt or a tote bag or some kids clothes stickers they got you covered literally and figuratively hey guys hey hey have you ever listened to fish out of a fish that you got from electric fish lights shit so by now if you listen to no simple road you'll know that one of our sponsors is the amazing stupendous wonderful and grand electric fish lights yeah yeah so if you don't know what i'm talking about this is iq technology this is little pieces of plastic that I think there's 15 different shapes that can be put into like 30 different combinations or it's the other way around. I don't have the copy in front of me. (laughs) And when you put these shapes together, it's endless. They can make a light basically into anything you want. A rain cloud. They're constantly new drops all the time. Yeah. All the sports teams. A jellyfish, your favorite college team, your NFL teams. You got it. You name it. It's there. Hit them up, go to electricfishlights.com or at electricfishlights on Instagram and check out what we're talking about. And all the lights are made from upcycled vinyl like milk jug plastic. They come with a 12-foot cord, a 12-year energy-efficient, safe-to-leave-on LED light bulb and a hardware kit to hang the lights. So they will leave you hanging. Ha, get it? Get it? (laughs) These are good for inside. They're easy up at the next festival, any room in your house, your fan cave, a nightlight for your kids, trippy color changing light, white elegant light, or colorful lights in your house. It's pretty awesome. They can be used outdoors. And they make custom designs for people that give us ideas for their lights. So check out the Instagram or the website, which is at electricfishlights.com. They got tapestries now, too. Yeah, and their tapestries are they amazing. They are fucking amazing. And they're hooking up the No Simple Road family. Put in the promo code NSR in checkout and receive 10% off. And any NSR family that orders a light with the color-changing upgrade will receive a limited edition special promotion No Simple Road print manifested out of the ether of life. That is No Simple Road. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. You know that what? That is amazing. Go check it out, you guys. This is something special. And if you want to listen to fish out of a fish that you got from Electric Fish Lights, you can also order a light bulb that has a speaker in it. So go check it out. Electricfishlights.com Enlighteners. Trump, trombone's a great instrument. When I was, I, I played in band sixth and seventh grade. <laughs> I, I picked up the trombone because I had the influence from my mom and dad was a lot of swing music, like ta- hearing Tommy Dorsey and stuff like that, and hearing trombone with like the mute oh, yeah. and stuff. It was like, wow, that's, I went the slide. It's like, that's a fun instrument. Oh, it's expressive. It's super expressive. And actually, uh, I, my, my grandpa had a huge you know, greatest hits of swing kind of collection thing. And so I, my trombone that's sitting here in my, in my uh, corner of my bedroom is a Tommy Dorsey model. Oh shit. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's a King two B Liberty with a Shoki 42 B mouthpiece. And if anyone's, anyone's listening that knows a thing about brass, that's a Dorsey setup. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, you were, you perfectly suited for the world that we're all part of now. This, the whole jam. It, thing. it made, it made sense. And my dad was a deadhead. And so it was there, but he wasn't, he never forced it on me. He never was like, you got to listen to this. You got to, and so I, I, I think what, what had happened to me was I, in middle school, um, over the course of probably seventh and eighth grade, I was listening to CDs. 
mm-hmm. and uh, I was going through his massive CD collection alphabetically, and um, and 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 really, I mean, every Beatles album, including the anthology stuff and, and like that, you know, before that, Almond Bro- Almond Brothers, and, <laughs> and, you know, and uh, Dave Matthews, Bela Fleck, and the Flecktones, you know, all the you know, think, yeah, think about everything in the alphabetical, yeah, right. I mean, and then I, I mean, um, I remember I got to the G's and um, listened to American Beauty, and I had heard some of those songs on the radio. There was a station down here in the Bay Area called K Fog. Mm-hmm. I know K Fog. Um, so many people know K Fog. I mean, because it, they were they were awesome. I mean, totally <laughs> awesome. Know, yeah. Just like you know, in many ways, equal to the standard, if not setting the standard, what you want that type of station to be like, and they're. Sadly, that's not them anymore. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but they were they were the greatest, and they would play that they would play that music. You know, you hear that on the radio sometimes. And um, I remember, so I've heard American Beauty, and, and um, oh yeah, I, I know some of these songs. You know, yeah, okay, you know, trucking, right? Sure, I've heard that one before. <laughs> and then I, it was actually specifically when I got to the, the release Hundred Year Hall um, that when I realized that. The, you know, on the second disc, which is the second set, thir- there's a 30 plus minute version of the other one okay. after a, you know, after a 15 or so minute of trucking, uh-huh. uh, all of a sudden I went, well, this is, this is, uh, this is everything I'm, I'm, I'm interested in because it was exciting. It was rock and roll. It was exciting. I wasn't playing. I was just learning the bass guitar, okay. um, but, but not really in a rock and roll way yet. I think I just wanted to learn, you know, maybe I was looking at you know, Eagle songs or something simple. I don't know, <laughs> you know, but I was just, I was coming up playing the ukulele and, 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 you know, and the bass guitar. And it was just like, this was really cool. Cause it was really exciting. And the bass was a thrill, you know, it was just fascinating to listen to Phil Lesh, especially in that era. Yeah. Um, and I started playing bass like that, but then it was pointed out, um, sometime later to me, um, that I played the, even though I was playing bass, I had stopped listening to the bass line and was actually listening to, um, to Garcia's parts. You're playing lead bass. Yeah. Right. Effectively, <laughs> which still does too, but, but in, you know, much more root driven. I think, I think I'd be a better bassist now than I was then. Um, but it took quite some time to arrive at the guitar, but, but, uh, not, not quite so, you know, a long time after I arrived at, at you know, music like the Grateful Dead and anything affiliated with it for a while I explored and, and just really got into because, improvisation and rock and roll, you know, uh, worked for me. Right. And, um, and those, and, and those guys all love the, the music that I already loved. Yeah. You know, th- so they, they listen to that stuff and, and reading later on in life, reading about Garcia, listening to swing, swing music and, 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 uh, um, and, and, you know, bands and stuff like that just, just totally made sense to me in so many ways. So how, how do you end up, playing with Phil's son. That's that's what yeah. I was going to ask. Like, does your, <laughs> Wait, like you said your dad, I was going to ask that too, which you answered. Your your dad was a deadhead, so that influence was there. Was he uh, connected in the community at all, or, or did you just come home one day and you're like, hey, guess not, what? <laughs> yeah, not, not. I mean, not at all. The closest connection we had is had someone knew someone who worked in the office, you know? <laughs> right. okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember, I mean, the dad was always uh, uh, there because we were a, a Bay Area rock and roll loving family. And so, you know, my sister had, you know, kind of thought Jerry looked like this grandfatherly figure. 
Right. You know, and, and there's a, that, you know, she, she, she really liked, liked the way he looked. I think they, I think they went backstage and for the bridge school benefits, you know, try to meet those guys at one point. I forget. <laughs> but, um, but uh, there was a, and there was a signed photo of Jerry, you know, that my sister had gotten through that friend of a friend who worked in the office kind of a story. Okay. And, uh, and so there was always just a presence there, but I wasn't like, you know, oh yeah, Grateful Dead. And my dad wasn't like, you got to get into the dead. It wasn't like that at all. Um, but when I was playing the bass and getting into this stuff, and then later, um, I didn't pick up guitar till I was 17. And, um, and when I did, um, I had to, I had to find time for it because I was doing theater and I was teaching, I was, I was, it was leading this improv troupe at school and, and uh, I had a girlfriend at the time and, and, uh, I was, nice. you know, getting ready to apply for school. And so the only thing that, that had to go, the only thing that was movable was homework. Um, <laughs> so, so homework, I started doing my homework at lunch, lunchtime and at, and at the breaks and, uh, you know, in school. And instead I would come home and pick up the guitar and put on a Grateful Dead video and practice playing along. With it. Oh, okay. Um, and that was, that was how I learned, how I learned the bulk of, of my guitar stuff because I liked the music and the instrument. That was how I wanted to connect with the instrument was kind of, uh, you know, Im- improvisationally. So fast forward, I finished college, uh, right, right before I finished college, I just turned 21 as so a junior in college. And I was, I went to school in, in Long Beach. Um, and here I am driving down the highway and there's a sign that says, says Thursday nights, Cubensis, the Grateful Dead music tribute. Mm-hmm. I'm going, I wasn't there last week. I got to go check that out. And I couldn't get anyone to go with me. And I was, you know, I was scared to go by myself, whatever. So I eventually worked up the courage and went, I didn't even realize there'd be a cover. So I'd like, you know, check the seat cushions in my car Scrum for quarters. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I went in and, uh, and heard them play and they were just fantastic. And I, I chatted, chatted the band leader Craig up for a while and, and eventually, a good guy. Uh, Oh my God. One of my best buds, him yeah. and Nate LaPointe still. And, so um, I, and we just sort of, you know, he's, he'll, he'll talk to anybody for a half hour, but, but so I've, you know, but he was very gracious at this time with me. And, um, that summer I started bringing little bits of gear that I had, I, either I had or friends of mine had for Craig to try because we decided we wanted to chase through several conversations at, you know, on, at shows decided we wanted to chase a little bit of Garcia tone that we hadn't done yet. And, uh, so we, we did that for a while and then eventually they just kind of took me on as a roadie. Um, so I roadied for them, and uh, and and then it happened that Nate was out of town, and um, and uh, Steve Harris, who was the drummer, was ill at the time, and so they needed a second singer, uh, or another another singer rather, as who also played guitar. And so they asked, they I, I had sat in with them once on my birthday, and once at a, like a, a, a little fundraiser thing, and so Craig asked me if I wanted to sit in. I did it a bunch of times that year, but one of those shows, a band that was soon to be called Midnight North, they were called Graham Lesh and Friends, opened up for us. And, um, and I just happened to be the one playing that night. Nate was, I was in Europe with Womack and, um, and there it was. We just, we met and, you know, Graham said, Oh, you got to come up to Terrapin sometime. And, and I said, Hey, you be careful. Cause I'll do it. And I'll hold you to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, we chatted a bunch of times. I sent him some videos of me, you know, other doing other things. So we knew that I knew the, what the heck I was doing. And, and then I drove up there and, and, uh, played, played a couple of just sit-ins with, 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 uh, you know, the Terrapin all stars, just a kind of a pickup band. Right. And then, and then, 
a few months later, did a little, just a sit-in with Midnight North on an acoustic gig. Um, and then a few months after that, did some informal auditioning with them. And then a few months after that, joined the band. Wow. wow. That's, that's one of the things about the Grateful Dead community that continues to blow me away. Synchronicities. It, synchronicities and the way things right. fall into place in this world. It's really, um, it's singular to me. Totally. I, I I, I've it's fascinated me for thirty plus years, man. I and when it's I hear the stories, magic of the current, you know, like oh right, yeah, sure. my dad, oh my teacher, oh my brother, my my mom loved it, like, and then you start talking about it and you realize that like this web is literally all connected. Your mom knew the teacher, and that's who got her into it, and <laughs> you know, her, right. her daughter met you. Like it's just like such an. It, you're right. When you look back at it, and you like after talking about it. You can really see the hand and that musical, um, I guess that Grateful Dead musical influence that just kind of, I don't know. Well, then Phil found a place like Terrapin Crossroads that's just an incubator for like so much going on there. Well, Terrapin at at that time in particular had the vibe of some of these, you know, uh, LA jazz clubs back from back in the day or or like some kind of a basement club in the the East Village, you know, Mm. just, just. just this, this vibe of just anybody could be there and everyone was sort of equal um, on these pickup gigs. Because there's a ballroom there that's, you know, the great room. Mm-hmm. But that's an admission ticket. I mean, you go there and you're paying to see a band. Yeah. Right. And, and whereas the, the the bar shows are all free. And if you've never been there, it's, it's, it's this bar in, you know, you, you enter in. You, you know, walk past the front desk, walk past the bathrooms, and then you are, the, at, you know, in the, in the bar area, and you have to go through that to get to the bulk of the restaurant. Right. And um, and that's the first thing you're encountered with. So here's the, the band, you know, you I mean, if you walk in the front door and you're not in, you're not interested in, in hearing a band in the background, then you've really come to the wrong restaurant. Yeah, you got to walk past the stage in the bar right. to get to the bar. <laughs> to like, get, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's really completely set up that way at this point, especially, and early on. And so... It was just like that where two, at least two nights a week or more were these pickup bands. And there were probably 30 or 40 people in, you know, around and, uh, and they would just put together a four or five piece band for the night. And, uh, everyone would sit to sit around together and go through their sheet music and just figure out what songs they knew or could lead and, and put together a, a collection of tunes for the night. It wasn't necessarily a set list and you just call your tunes. And, and, and we sort of, we kind of homogenized. I mean, we, we eventually, uh, I think Graham digitized everything he had and, uh, and, and slowly disseminated this, this, you know, list of things from his iPad to, to people or, or, or you would just be on stage and we all, we all got iPads and we all got the same app and we just, you know, sing, you know, sling these charts back and forth. And so we could just do what eventually became a repertoire that became the sound of that, of that club. And it really kind of had its own, especially for a few years there really had its own sound. Like this is what bands who play at Terrapin sound like. Right. And it was really, it was really interesting. And, um, it was a blend. It was not Grateful Dead music exclusively. In fact, most of it was not, it was, you know, this blend of, um, of honky tonk and, and, and rock and roll and, and, and country Western and, uh, modern Americana and new Nashville and, and, uh, you know, all these different, you know, things like that, as well as a healthy dose of, of Grateful Dead or, or indie bands. And, and it's just really interesting, really interesting community to be a part of. And that, and that, 
that I, I, I don't know that that has been quite the same as that. You can still go and see an interesting show, but it's more uh, that era has sort of drifted away. Yeah. And, and I don't know what the world will look like after COVID there, but, but that era of the pickup bands and, you know, trying new things and just these, you know, sort of gung ho attitudes about, about just trying anything. I don't know if that's going to come back the same way that may have had its time. I'm not sure, but it was really fascinating. You know what you say about the, the sound of the bands that played the, the pickup bands that came together in that place during that time. I never thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right, man. I, I remember seeing, uh, Phil and friends in Vegas at the Brooklyn bowl Mm -hmm. in like 2014, I think it was. And there's Mm -hmm. a particular sound to that setup that I hear repeated in the bar that it's, it's a trip. And I never thought about it like that, but that's, you're absolutely right, man. That, and it's a really, it's thick that, that sound is thick and cohesive. Oh, and I, and I think in, in many ways, Phil, uh, not intentionally at all, by my, by my guess, uh, set, set the tone in terms of what we should be listening to based on who was getting asked to do Phil and Friends shows. You know, so all of us were listening to Larry Campbell. Oh. You know, all of us were listening to, um, to Lebo from ALO. All of us, I mean, listening to and playing with Lebo and Scott Law and Neil Casal and, and, and um, just anyone in that kind of a of a of a sphere you know we were all listening to those players because jason crosby the keyboard front you know because that's who came through that's who phil phil had and so why wouldn't we listen to them right that's where we learned about uh, anders osborne when we went down right there we saw anders on stage with phil and we're like who is this dude yeah he's a monster i've heard the name but wow and ross james (laughs) and jackie green yeah that whole that whole crew and you know it's funny you have this unique view of it because you were there while it was happening you guys were all influencing each other and then also consuming and listening to the same thing so it's like everybody's interpretation this this interpretation (laughs) of, of this coming through all of you it's really cool to hear it like that oh i mean it 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 really it really is true because, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the appreciation for country music I have today if it weren't for playing there. And, um, um, you know, I mean, there are specific guitars that I've owned and currently own that I got because of hearing, Oh yeah. Wow. So-and-so had one of those. That sounded good. I'd love to find something like that, you know? And, 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 and there's definitely a, a feel there. Yeah. And uh, it makes it, it, it's really interesting. It was, it, it has been a really interesting time. I don't know. Like I said, I really don't know what will happen. So um, what's going on there right now? Are they playing outside or? Well, they're completely shut down now. They had a, they had a positive case in, in the staff. <sighs> so they're, yeah. they're, they're, you know, trying to keep everybody safe and wait everything out. Yeah. Um, um, they tried to do a, a brief reopen, but you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a crapshoot for anybody who reopens because yeah. with the whole asymptomatic spread thing, no one knows, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's de- degrees to which you can be safe and, and you can do everything right. And it still could, you know, if your, if your sphere is gets, gets penetrated and that's that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, so, it's a crazy world. 
and, 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 and you know, but the, the format they were doing things was very different. It was a fixed price and you would go in and get a, di- and a dinner and you know, everyone had their own table it was outdoors only. And there was a, you know, a duo or a trio on stage. It was not the same thing at all. Okay. Um, Got it. But, uh, That's cool but, that I mean, you're trying to, you know, change it for it the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of removed from the community uh, now because there's, there's only so much everybody kind of hunkered down. And so I haven't played there since February. Um, wow. Was that and, your last uh, time playing period in February? Or what? Uh, as a matter of fact, yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. I, sat in, I sat in on keyboards with a, a young, young hotshot guitar player named Asher Belsky. And um, he's, uh, just, he's, he's, he's a teenager and he's a really killer guitar player. But um, he was playing his first show there as a band leader, or maybe his second show there as a band leader. And um, he had sat in at my birthday um, my birthday party rather was back in December. And so he invited me to sit in with him. So it was Valentine's day weekend. And uh, that was, I, that's the last time I played any, any music in front of an audience. Say for streaming anyway. How, so I, this is going to be kind of a silly question. But fuck it. How are you doing, man? Are you okay? Like, is that, is it tough? Or how are you dealing with that emotionally? Cause I know that's, that's a huge, um, vein of emotional outlet and so you right. know, it's not there so what do you do well the good news is i you know i i had this record done and i was just in in the final stages of physically producing the product right um That's when great. this hit and yeah, so, so it gives you a lot of right time. totally so right so this this you know i can i can talk to people about this art that i worked on for a significant amount of time and it is something that makes me feel good about yeah. Well, the, the advantage here is that there's no live music to talk about, so everyone needs to talk about records. The album um, is really amazing in that I, every song is different. It sounds completely different. It could be, it doesn't sound like one... But type. it does have a vibe, though. It, it no, has a nice a little thread vibe, to yeah. it that is, you know, that makes it cohesive. However, everything is individual which is really a great feat in one album. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to, that was really a, uh, really a goal. I mean, I, I, I had this, I had these songs that were not necessarily written all at the same time. Um, and I've, I've been, I've had writing sprees since on and off. And those songs all kind of sound similar because I'll write, you know, four in a few months and three in a few months later and, you know, all kind of listening to the same stuff. And uh, this album was not done that way. It was done much slower and, and written over longer periods of time because I was mostly touring. And, um, you know, putting it all together, that was a challenge because I wanted to, it to sound cohesive, um, but still re- let every song maintain, maintain its individuality. So one of the advantages of me not playing drums um, was that I could have Sean Nelson play drums on the whole record and use his drum kit and he just had a couple of different snare drums that we used for different things. He's sort of equally nerdy about drums, um, or rather much more nerdy about drums, but equally nerdy as, as I am about tone. Okay. And, um, and then, and then also, uh, have, you know, besides having him on everything, having me effectively be my own, uh, rhythm and lead guitar player on everything that that was going to give things a, a homogenized, um, feel. And so, you know, something the genre will change, but effectively the band is the same. Right. And uh, that made a bit that 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 was the goal is to try to cover 
the different genres while, while, uh, while maintaining the um, cohesiveness of this sense of a band. And I really did, like on the first first song, I really did want it to uh, feel like a bar band starting at Terrapin, um, you know, like the, the opening song for the night. And I really wanted the last song uh, to feel like the band closing out its night at Terrapin. Mm-hmm. Oh. Fun. You know that was that was that was the intention. <laughs> That's super well, fun. Yeah, to well, it's done on the yeah. last track too. Give the, us like, a whole evening, you know, of fun right. and beautiful music. When I love the last but no, track. But that's the same. Well, just, sorry, I just want to say that's the same. That's the same thing we we're just talking about. That we're, we're we would get up with these different different people leading different songs, and they were not going to be the same genre. Yeah, right. You know, and, and so, so that was the, that was it, it. It seemed. It felt like it was going to work, putting all the different tunes together, because it worked on stage. So. Yeah, <laughs> it, could, it couldn't be any other way. What right. were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to. When you just said that, you, you now you say that it kind of makes sense listening to that, like the the subtle exhibition in the end, the guitar work, the way you like lay. It's like laying the crowd down at the end of the show. Like it has that feel to it. Like that's the end of. I'm leaving you with this and carry this on. It's a great right. track to end it. And when you just said that, it makes sense. It was like the whole journey. And then, and I, if you've ever, if you've ever, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Then I got another question about something else. Oh, I, I was just, I was just thinking, you know, and if you've ever been at a, at, at Terrapin at the end of the night, uh, since it's a free show, most people are going are heading home by the end of the night with the bar band. So it's, you know, but by, by the last tune of the night, the the bartender is polishing the same spot on the bar for five minutes. <laughs> and, um, and, and so the idea of this extended jam that is sort of irreverent gets to the point that it's irreverent of its, of its audience, you know, and of course it's abbreviated in terms of how long a jam would actually go in, in, in on stage. But the, the idea that it gets to the point where it's just out of control and, you know, and I wanted the guitar to just sort of linger over and, and extend it past the rest of the band to, you know, and then just end on a big, ugly, you know, whack, you know, and just yeah. like, okay, you know, at this point, everyone's gone home, so we're playing for ourselves, you know? Yeah, totally. It's for the one spun head in the corner that's done. <laughs> Literally, exactly. You know, follow you out to the parking lot and hang out. Right, and, gonna, right, and the longer I can stay on stage, the less time I'll have to chat with them after. Yeah, you know? totally. <laughs> What were you going to say? Well, then I was just going to ask, too. I had not heard it until this morning. I didn't see it on here. I just looked over it. Is that an original, the, the, a light that shines for Christmas? I'd never heard that before. Is that your song that you put yeah, out? That's mine, yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah, my- At first, I'd like, did it. I mean, it's obviously like about you know, trying to get home, like when you're touring or whatever you're doing, trying to make it mm-hmm. home for Christmas. It's a beautiful song. Well, and I have a, a real... I have a reverence for um, for for quality Christmas music. I'm not going to say all Christmas music, but um, the um, some of my favorite Christmas songs are all um, are all some of the, the most you know. I mean, everyone. Some some of my favorite Christmas songs are some of everyone's favorite Christmas songs, and I love that that jazz has over the years become synonymous with it. So that I I I I, I don't know that I intended to write a Christmas song ever. Um, but I just had an idea one December and I started working on it and, and, um, just wanted to capture that. And then in the process of writing that, um, my dad ended up in the hospital with a, with a heart infection and, um, and he, he was, he's totally okay. But at the time it was a little bit scary. They didn't know, they couldn't figure out what was causing it and, and, uh, took a little, took a few days before they were sure 
before, you know, that he was stable. And, um, and so I went in to record the demo of that song and to tighten up the loose ends. And, and I couldn't even, he was quarantined because I couldn't even go visit, visit him. And so that song took on a little more weight. And so a year later I decided to, uh, well, I was in, a year later I was in the process of making the record, making, making, um, the subtle exhibitionist. And, and so we used that time. Some, one, we just picked a day to do all the, all the, the basics and another day to do the piano. Wow. That, that's, that's a, that's a heavy thing to write a Christmas song. Oh yeah. That's, that's not an easy not bit, thing. That's know, why I had to ask that. Special. It's like, I've yeah. never heard that. It very well done. Yeah. Christmas. Most time you hear new Christmas music that comes out. It's like that pop song that one of the, you know, mm-hmm. somebody died and it's like, Oh, that was cute for this year. And it doesn't stand up. And it, <laughs> this, this is I, like that. No, I just wanted to write something that, you know, that, 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 that you, you could hear James Taylor sing or, or Mel Torme sing mm. or something like that. You know, that's, that's what I was trying to get. That makes sense. You know, well, I mean, it's like that. Those songs come on. The, the, specifically, my favorite Christmas song is, is the Christmas song and specifically the Nat King Cole oh. uh, version of it. And, and uh, when that song comes on, you hear those, that first little string thing, you know, da, 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 da. you know, you're like, you're, you, you settle in. Mm-hmm. You know, you grab your cocoa, you grab your peppermint stick, whatever your whatever your trip is, <laughs> transported, <laughs> and you're there. Yeah. You know, and that's and and and, uh, and and that's what I wanted to hit with with that tune. I don't know, you know, and I mean the the fun part about it is that you, know, you write a Christmas song, you can talk about it every Christmas. You can try to you know tell preach it to people every Christmas. You yeah, know, <laughs> it's timeless. Yeah, it, it comes around right. once a year, and you can you can dust it off it, yeah. pull it like here right. we go hey, man check this out you, you said it, it's also hard though it's like those are real jazz changes you know it's me digging back into my past to yeah. kind of create that yeah you you, you can't uh you can't fake that a good, a good christmas song like you no, I got to play it for Aaron. I don't think Aaron's heard it yet have you listened to it yeah yeah oh okay i had just listened to it earlier today so alex before we go i want to ask you something it, we had talked a few minutes ago about, you know, the change in climate with selling music and not being able mm-hmm. to tour and the way things are now as far as like touring musicians aren't touring. And, you know, we do this show and this is No Simple Road came out of my son giving me a microphone for Father's Day. And uh, saying, Dad, you guys always talk about music and the Grateful Dead. You should start a podcast. So by by no means am I like a, a professional, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm just a fan and I love the music. I, I've it's been my life since I went to my first Grateful Dead show. And so <clears throat> what I want to ask you is from your perspective, in the position that we're in, as like media beyond having you on the show, what can we do to help get the music out more in your opinion? Well, I mean, it's interesting because the, uh, the the game, you know, in terms of getting, getting music disseminated changed, changed long ago before any of us knew the extent to which it had changed. And um, I think that the best thing we can do now and the best thing for any genuine movement, whether it's art, about art or, um, you know, 
or, or you know changing the world, whatever it's going to be, uh, has to be done to an extent in a grassroots way. Mm-hmm. And you know, having a genuine conversation with someone like like you know like yourselves is uh, is an extremely valuable experience that is now um, a rarer commodity than it used to be in the, in the daily the, the daily or the weekly human experience, especially in the United States right now. Right. And the combination of these genuine discussions where you can really um, talk to someone and get to know what they're like and, and um, you know, and, and then the fact that we're in need of art. I mean, we need, we need art right now. We need um, things that express more than we can say. Because you look at the, the social media climate and it's devolved into this mess of nonstop news, be it, be it legitimate news or completely contrived stuff from wherever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's got that and, and, and a series of people agreeing or disagreeing, you know, about something that, that isn't necessarily something that you need to agree or have an opinion on. Yeah. You know, and, yes. And, yes. Well put. <laughs> yes. yes. Everybody's judging and, things that are even non-judging. It's no longer fun and entertaining. <laughs> right, right. right. And I mean, I, I was, yeah, God, it is so frustrating. And, 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 you know, I, we have no business announcing shows right now. We have no business announcing festivals and things that I, I, I have many, you know, there are many people that I really respect in the industry. And I just, I hope that everyone makes the right decision with regard to the health of and, and safety of the musicians and of the fans. Um, you know, because the economics should not drive your decisions about, about safety. But, but what we do have, you know, since, in it, what we do have is, is this art and this and this this way that we can connect to it. We can have these conversations, and we can have we can spend more time on social media promoting musicians and mu- and art and music and 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 literature and you know real things that can express the things that we are oftentimes find ourselves in, incapable of accurately expressing. Mm. And I think that the, the real gra- grassroots thing, you know, can make a difference. I I didn't write. I didn't set out to write any songs for this record or my next one or the one after that to, you know, because I wanted to uh, change someone's opinion on a social media thing. I just wrote down something that I was feeling or experiencing or thinking about in a way that I thought someone else could maybe relate to. And, and you know, if you can't relate to one song, maybe you'll relate to another. And if you can't relate to any of them, then great, find someone else to listen to. You know, I don't, I, it's, not important. It's, wow. it's not important to me to win everybody's you know, affection here, but, but it is important to me that the human experience be captured and maintained and, 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 um, and validated that we're all experiencing things, especially now that nobody in our lifetime has gone through. And, and this is a big deal. And so I I think that what you can do if you want to support musicians is buy their music, but buy it, don't stream it, buy it from them. Yeah. You know, I mean, okay. I, I, you can, great, my website great. has that available and I think that's the way you can support, support them. Cool, man. You know, and because I want, I want to, I want to see an, uh, an order come in or see a name and go, man, I am sending this out to this person in this town at this address and they are going to have this thing to give them 44 minutes of, of something besides whatever's going on that day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I know I wa- that feeling. I wanted to ask too, before we close, cause I just really love the title so much. It's so suggestive of a lot of things. And 
just the well yeah like the the subtle exhibitionist like you don't think of an exhibitionist being subtle and so right, right there there's already a little a bit little of intrigue. yeah like, like, and so what where were you coming from or what what does this what does it mean to you those words together that in that way to reveal your that, album I was, yeah there was something i heard somebody just like self-describe as and it struck me in an odd way because it, it's this implication of, you know, look at me, but not wanting to be overt about the fact that yeah. you want people to look at you. <laughs> look yeah. at me out of the corner of your eye. <laughs> right, right. Give me a yeah. side glance. A little glimpse. Or, or, or like, or, you know, going out and, and putting on your, your, your nicest jeans and your, and your, or your favorite jeans and your favorite shirt, or, you know, maybe doing your hair special or, or shaving that day, but also just not wanting to make any kind of a deal about whether or not you've made yourself, you know, you, you, you've mm. tried to make yourself look more appealing or feel more appealing. And, and especially with, with social media that we've got, we've become this culture that wants to seem incredibly nonchalant while we're doing these posed things. I was just discussing with someone the other day that I said, Oh, what about so-and-so? Their streams look really good. And I said, okay, but let's, let's look. They're being lit from one side They've got a mixing board. They've got somebody else clearly handling a camera. It's like it's made to look really nonchalant, like the, like the guy's just in his basement playing music. And meanwhile, it's produced. Yeah, they and do it's that. Produced to look nonchalant. Well, they do that a lot too in the modeling industry to have like this super clear, baby soft skin, but there is so much foundation and concealer right. and everything going, airbrush going on to make it look like you just woke up. <laughs> I, I, yes, I just woke up this way. That's right. Awesome. I, mean, I mean, but but that's the whole thing. It's just this ideal, uh, this idea uh, that we have nobody. We no one wants to make a deal of the fact that we are desperate for everyone else's approval. Ugh. And um, and I think that that's something that we have to we have to reconcile as a culture. Um, and uh, and that's something that within the record, I, I wanted to because I'm subject to that too. So I'm not immune from doing that. I've definitely no, we're you know I mean every time right where we are we we love we love validation and, and every time I get on stage. Well, the majority of the reason I'm up there is because I want to be. There's a part of me being up there. It's like, man, I wonder who, wonder who, who might dig this. I wonder who might, you know, pay me a compliment at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Yeah. You know, and you're not, that isn't your primary driver, but it is there. No, you'd be lying you know? if you said it wasn't. Well, you're a human being, right. man. We're, if, you've atta- if you would have attained, you would have disappeared. Hence the exhibitionist <laughs> part, yeah. right? Like right. you said, you're putting right. on those jeans that make your butt look good and that shirt right. that you got and putting your, you know, style in that hair. But it's nice if somebody mm-hmm. smiles and notices it, but at the same time, it's just, it's kind of for you and not. I love that. It's, right. Yeah, it's great. And I've. And I've played with people. I've played with people that that do that actually work hard to look like they're not trying. And meanwhile, there's no way anyone gets in front of an audience if they don't want to be there. No shit. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. shit. Yep. yeah, that's a super rare occurrence uh-huh. when somebody's pushed on stage. Whoa, <laughs> there's an audience. Well, right. I I appreciate what you said, man. It it means a lot because this thing means a lot to me. And to be given the opportunity to have a voice within the community, I see as a a, a rare opportunity and also a responsibility. We we did a, we did a, a podcast from um, Terrapin. Terrapin Crossroads, not mm. a, at the beginning at of the beginning of twenty nineteen. February? Wait, that no, was January. last year. 
Oh my it gosh, was yeah, 2019, guys. It was. Sorry. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, timeline. Gosh. And uh, I remember right before we went down, Mel and I were driving down our street, and I was crying. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this, this thing that I've been into all these years, I'm the one that's going to be sitting on the stage there. <laughs> and that, that that is even happening blew my mind and I it made me see what we do from a different perspective doing that totally and so I appreciate what you said because it it really does mean everything to me and um, to help you guys to get the word out to to get us through this time because we have no no guidebook right now we are in uncharted territory brother and, mm-hmm. and so any words of wisdom to help us steer the ship in any way is greatly appreciated. So thank you, man. Thank you. And well, um, we, we keep saying, it's, it's just nice to talk. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, no shit. It, it, talk it, to it someone nice outside to your talk. circle. We, we're having great conversations right. come out of this, talking to musicians that are used, like you said, back at the beginning of being in a van, being on the road, you, you know, you're not even quite sure where you are. You're tired and you're trying to give an interview. This has been really special and we'd be remiss not to bring up Dennis McNally, uh, who has become, we met him at school. I mean, we, of course we've all, everybody knows who he is. Mm-hmm through right. the history of the dead. But when we met him last year at Skull and Roses, uh, we interviewed him and he just rolled out the red carpet. He has been a supporter of ours ever since him and Aaron chat all the time. I think our, our paths with yours would have crossed eventually, but uh, mm-hmm. this was nice that Dennis made this happen yeah, now. It happen now. And Den- oh, Dennis he obviously is a greatest. big supporter he of is yours. He is the greatest. He is. He is such a, him and his he, wife are the sweetest people. And you know, he, he, I was, I was talking to my, my folks were asking you know, what, so, so how did, you know, it's been months, a couple months now working together with him. How did you, you know, why did Dennis, you know, take you on? I like, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know why, you know, I mean, I know, I know who set it up, you know, my, my, my buddy Andy, um, who's a big believer in, in me and, and, and has worked with Dennis and Andy last year, um, uh, became the new caretaker of Jerry's guitar alligator. Oh shit. And, um, and he's done some stuff with, with Dennis around Grateful Dead instruments and Grateful Dead, you know, the, the periphery that Andy's involved in. So he's a big believer and, and, and got me in and Dennis set up. But that doesn't mean that Dennis had to, had to say yes. You know, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to be nice to anybody. No. no. And, and, but so many people have nothing but great, including myself, nothing but great things to say about the guy. And, and, and I'm really appreciative of, of, of not just of him for, for working with me, but also of him for, being that for being yes. for being gracious and, and professional and and, and 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 by every account and so it's 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 good to know that that exists in the industry. Totally. Yes, yeah, man. So before we go, Alex, can you tell everybody where they can buy your album because they all need to go buy your album now? <laughs> uh, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to. Um, my my website is alexjordanjams.com, Ooh. and um, and I will gladly send you. Um, a copy of my vinyl if you want, or a copy of my, my CD. If you want the CD and the vinyl are both, uh, art experiences. It's a full gatefold for both mm-hmm. of them. And, um, and we just want people to, to feel good about handling it. So I'll, I'll gladly, 
gladly send you one if you go and order one through my website. Awesome, man. Excellent. Right Alex, on. when this is all over, man, we need to we need to have, have lunch or something and sit down and have, have a conversation outside of the, the podcast and give each other a hug, man. I, I really appreciate your time, man. Would absolutely love to. That sounds sounds awesome. <laughs> yep. Hang on to my number, man. And I will let you know when this is going to come out. It'll probably be a couple of weeks before it drops, but okay. I'll, I'll give you a couple days heads up before it comes out. Sounds great. All right, brother. Oh, thank Alex, thanks, thanks so for much. Listening. Yeah. Thanks for chatting. Yeah, and have a great night. Yeah, bro. stay healthy, safe, and thank you so much, Alex. You too, guys. Take care of yourself. Later, brother. Bye.
what a cool guy. Mm. What a sweetheart. He I, said that's a, I mean, he, like a, he felt like it, heart, yeah. like heart. Now, and he now was hearing right. him after hearing the album, this is another one, hearing the album, I really liked it. Now I like it. I can't wait to listen like, to yeah, it I again go out on because the porch now we felt him. Yes. So, you know what? We're going to leave you with, and this is, I'm saying this to myself. This is Aaron's new Christmas song that he's no, debuting in no. July. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Christmas oh, song no. in July. Okay. I'm saying this for myself when I edit this. this You're going to play Kingdom with a View, Aaron. And all you guys out there are going to hear it right now. So here we go. Check out Alex. And buy his album, you guys. Support Alex. him. And take care of each other. Thank you for being Smile on the show. Smile a stranger. And we'll see you on the other side. No, you probably already heard Kingdom with a View. So we're going to check okay. out with Children of Indigo. Okay. I don't know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I'm upside down. I'm going to go take a nap. Stop fucking talking. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Yeah. tell you about the April May 2023 issue of Relics magazine features a Dave Matthews band cover story with additional articles and interviews with the National Graham Nash Wayne Shorter ALO Ivan Neville our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore Marty Stewart and much more check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash dmb thanks Relics Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.